Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. I'm your host, Tari Kaya Allen Butler. I am a teen mom turned speaker, author, and mompreneur. My mission is to help you build healthy relationships with your children, level up your mindset, and achieve all you ever dreamed of and more. I will teach you how to level up your lifestyle in faith, family, finances, and fitness. Join me every Tuesday for the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. You will learn major keys to stop coming up short on your goals and start leveling up for the type of lifestyle you desire. Ready to level up? Let's do it. All right. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. I am your host, Tari Kaya Allen Butler, and I am a teen mom turned author, speaker, and mompreneur. And my mission is to help you build healthy relationships with your children, level up your mindset, and achieve all that you've ever dreamed of and more. Ready to level up? Let's do it. So if this is your first time, welcome um, to the podcast. We are happy to have you here, or I'm happy to have you here. <laughs> um, if you have not already, please feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you are not a part of the Mom Keys to Mental Peace community, please feel free to join me there on Instagram. The link is in my bio, um, my link tree, and then you'll click the first link that says join the community. Type in your email and then you're all set. Um, this is where I send out like weekly um, emails and just build a community. I have a plan for <laughs> where to t um, take things in the future. But right now I'm just in the building phase and um, sharing value. So that's where we are. I would love to have you join. And if you have not, please subscribe to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast. Um, that link is in the bio as well for Instagram. On Facebook, you can find the links um, pinned in the comments. Um, I am on most major platforms like Spotify and Apple as far as the podcast. So wherever you listen to your podcast, please subscribe so that you can stay tuned for new episodes. All right, so let's hop into today's topic, which is how to build healthy connections with your children. So my thing for this month will be more family oriented, um, back into that building relationships with our kids. I know the last few months we've been on like our goal setting as far as finances and our mental health, as far as like social media and things like that. So I'm bringing things full circle back to what I'm really passionate about is, you know, that core family and building those true connections with our children. Um, unlearning unhealthy, you know, habits that we may have picked up as far as parenting and creating those new healthy positive patterns with our children. So, um for any of you who have been following me for any amount of time or if you're new, that's all right, but I'm pretty transparent um when it comes to my struggles in motherhood. Um specifically my um journey as a teen mom. I had my first child at 16. And, you know, over the years and over time, when I look back, I realized that I was not mentally prepared for motherhood the way that I thought that I was. Um, I had a lot of unhealthy 
thought processes as far as motherhood and parenting um, and had some, you know, revelations on how things were just not healthy. And I started doing research by, you know, reading books, listening to podcasts, connecting with other like-minded women who were, you know, changing their mindset or who had a growth mindset. And as a result of those things, you know, I'm not the perfect mom still, (laughs) but I was able to gain a lot of insight on why I was the way that I was. So I'm excited about today's talk because we're going to dig deeper into that why factor of, you know, why you may react the way that you do with your children or why you may engage with your children the way that you do or why there is a lack of engagement or affection. So we're going to get into all of that. So um, I specifically noticed with my oldest child, um, this was maybe when he was around six or seven, um, I realized that we kind of lacked connection and affection. Like we were kind of going through the motions. You know, I took care of him. He was fly. That's when I was into buying designer clothes for like a three-month-old baby (laughs) and things like that. Um, So he had clothes. You know, he was taken care of at home. He was fed, had a nice place to live. His room was decorated well. And I felt like, you know, ooh, pat on the back. Look at me being a good mom. But, you know, there were times where I would lay down at night and I feel like, you know, we didn't really say much to each other today or we didn't really connect with each other today. Or I was, you know, in the living room watching TV. He was in his room doing his own thing. and We didn't really engage. So I realized I didn't like that feeling at the end of the day. And I wanted to kind of figure out what was the root of that? Why was that happening? So this kind of forced me to look at my childhood and figure out what what were the roots of those struggles. And um, I was able to acknowledge um, and bring back up that I didn't really have affection or connection with my parents. So everything that I was feeling and experiencing with him was kind of mirroring my experience with my parents um, when I grew up. So I wasn't abused or neglected or left home by myself, you know, things like that. But it just wasn't really much conversation or connection. And I'm a very conversational person. Um, naturally, you know, I love to speak. I love being in groups. I love, you know, talking and things like that. But I just realized when it came to my parents, when we, when we were at home, we all just kind of did our own thing in our own rooms or my dad was, you know, off doing his own thing. He was definitely a workaholic. So when he was present, you know, he was ready to sit down somewhere (laughs) and do his own thing. Um, and my mom, you know, kind of the same thing, not necessarily a workaholic, but she was just into her own self or into, you know, her own mental health, whatever she had going on, didn't really want to be bothered. So I, again, I noticed that that was happening with my oldest son. So, um, in doing my research, I began to, you know, look up the definition of these words like connection and attachment and bonding to see like, okay, what is the root meaning of these words when it comes to relationships? So connection means a relationship in which a person is linked or associated with something else. An attachment is affection, fondness, or sympathy for someone or something else. And a bond is a relationship between two people or groups based on shared feelings, interests, or experiences. So when I took a look at these definitions, 
I noticed that there was kind of a breakdown in my household as far as um, feelings of connection or feelings of attachment or a bond, you know, based on these definitions. So especially when it comes to attachment, which is what we're going to get into today, I didn't really feel much affection like hugging felt awkward. And I've shared before, like saying I love you to my parents kind of made me feel like cringy as a kid. Just we weren't very affectionate people. You know, we just said, hey, and bye and went on about our business. Even to this day, like, you know, since I've learned about, you know, the importance of physical touch and all of that. Even today, if I like try to give my dad a hug um, when I visit him, he'll like, you know, hey, you know, the little pat on the back. <laughs> and I understand, you know, it is what it is. We are where we are. But that's something that I wanted to be intentional about in my household is showing affection. Like, it's okay to hug your family. It's okay to give someone in your family a kiss on the cheek or hold their hand or touch, just touch them. It's okay <laughs> to touch your family. Um, so that was something that really spoke to me. And also the definition of bond, how it's a relationship between two people based on shared feelings, interests, or experiences. This made me think about, have you ever heard of trauma bonding where people connect based off you know, trauma that they've been through or bad experiences that they can relate to with each other. So with this, it kind of goes both ways. Um, in a family, you can have a healthy bond where y'all have shared interests and feelings and experiences. And then on the flip side, it can be unhealthy where you're connecting based off your trauma that you have in common. So I found that very interesting to set the foundation to um, my research. So um, in finding this stuff out, I realized that I had to be intentional about change. You know, I got all this information, did all this research. Okay, now what am I going to do with it? Um, and I love this meme. I just posted it yesterday, if you follow me on Facebook. And I feel like it really embodies the whole foundation of Mind Keys to Mental Peace. And it says, I love this generation because instead of just repeating what we were taught, we're focused on healing trauma, breaking toxic cycles, and building generational wealth. And that's all the things that I'm about um, in my personal life and with this platform. Like, we don't have to keep <laughs> repeating and doing what was unhealthy or what wasn't working. Like, we have so many resources to figure out what was not healthy and how to make it healthy, right? Especially, I know I shared... Um, on one of my last episodes, I know a lot of people recommend therapy, but I understand that also a lot of people can't afford therapy. But that's not to say that there isn't information out here that you can use to apply to your life, um, to apply to your family, and to learn how to you know create these new positive and healthy patterns of behavior. So um, I did you know do therapy at the beginning of this year, maybe around like March. And I brought these concerns to my therapist and she suggested that I look into the four attachment styles. Um, if you heard about this, give me a thumbs up in the chat. If you have not, give me a thumbs down just to kind of see where we are. Um, but I remember learning about this, um, about the attachment styles when I was in school for early childhood education. And this was talked about as far as attachments with children. So when she brought it to my mind, I was like, you know what? Um, I do remember learning about this in psychology and the whole mental health background of it. So 
I began to do my research. So the four types of attachment styles are secure attachment, anxious attachment, disorganized attachment, and avoidant attachment. And um, I like to think of these as similar to, you know, the love languages as far as physical touch, quality time. But in my mind, the attachment styles go a little bit deeper because this is more like psychological. Um, This theory is based on how your parental relationship affects your child's mental health development. Um, And it starts as young as birth. Like when you have that newborn baby that you bring home, this is when the um, attachment style begins pretty much. That bonding, that connection, that relationship, it falls in one of those four categories at birth. And I'll even go as far as to say it begins at conception because whatever your emotional state is or whatever you're feeling during your pregnancy, your baby is connected to you and is feeling all of those emotions and feelings. So say like a mom is pregnant who, you know, regrets the pregnancy um, or a mom who, you know, is excited and happy about the pregnancy. That baby feels that mother's emotions during that. So um, this theory says it starts at childbirth, but I believe that it starts at conception because your baby is aware of how you're feeling and they are affected by all of that. So um, this theory is also about how you interact with your children non-verbally. So it's not, you know, telling your children you love them every day. We, I know a lot of people who say I love you, but they don't necessarily feel it, right? Feel loved. And this goes to those love languages. Um, but this is that nonverbal communication. So this bond is not based on love or the quality of care that you give to your child. These theories are based on nonverbal emotional communication. So, um, Okay, so an example that I have, I know there's, I'm not going to, you know, keep people confidential. I will keep people confidential, excuse me, and not tell their name. But I remember someone expressing to me before, like, whenever they had their baby, whenever they first had their baby, they weren't interested in holding their baby. Like, they were like, when the baby came out and they were trying to give the baby to me, I didn't want to hold the baby. I didn't really, really want to be around the baby. I was just ready to, you know get my things and go home and, you know, get back to my regular life. And looking at, you know, this person and their relationship with their child, it still kind of mirrors that emotional uh, detachment or unattachment. Like, and throughout their whole life, this person has expressed um, what their child has expressed, how they feel unloved, um, unwanted, you know, dismissed by this person. And when I go... Um, further back into that person's story, the con- the child was conceived out of um, like a messy situation. I believe like the guy was married and this person ended up getting pregnant by them, but that person didn't really want to be involved. So there is a lot <laughs> that goes behind it, not saying that it's right, but that's one example that was kind of like a light bulb to me as far as what this affection attachment looks like. Um, as far as birth and, you know, ongoing in life. On the flip side, you know, this can look, that nonverbal can look like soft touches with your baby and cuddling and rubbing your baby and making eye contact with your baby. Your baby feels that um, 
feels that emotion through those actions and therefore feels secure or attached. So um, as far as this theory, you know, that attachment isn't based on love or the quality of care, kind of like how I was sharing before about, you know, feeding my baby. He had a nice room and nice clothes. This challenges what we have been taught that, you know, focusing on giving our children food, clothing and shelter is enough to express our love to them. Um, I know a lot of old school dads, even some moms, I've heard them say, I fed you, didn't you? Didn't I? I fed you today. Or um, you were able to get to school today or you had some clothes to wear today. That that means I love you. But, you know, it goes so much further than that. And I think this is where we start to see adults who don't know how to do relationship, don't know how to be intimate, don't know how to be vulnerable and um, aren't aware of their emotions or know how to express their emotions because love has been expressed by physical things or by a bare minimum of survival when it really goes deeper than that. It goes so much deeper. Our emotional needs are just as important as our physical needs because our emotional needs are connected to our mental health development. Um, our own attachment style, so everyone has an attachment style, your children and yourself, but our own attachment style determines how we parent our children. And I'll get into that um, as I start to go through each attachment style, how I was able to see some similarities um, from what I saw at home to what I was doing in my home. So y'all, this is really deep, um, how, how it's all connected. And not only does our attachment style determine how we parent, we are creating our children's attachment style. Like I said, as soon as birth, that those patterns are starting, that emotional connection is starting right at birth. Um, so we have to develop those healthy social skills when it comes to emotional attachment, because this creates happier relationships and deeper connections, which overall will equal more positive mental health. So let's get into the four attachment styles. I'm going to start with um, the first three are called insecure attachment styles. And um, that's the umbrella term for uh, anxious, disorganized, and avoidant attachment styles. So I'm going to start with signs of anxious attachment styles in your children. These are signs of anxious attachment styles in your children. Um, if your child is clingy to you or whoever the caregiver is, but is still distressed when the caregiver tries to comfort them. Y'all, this is something that I experienced with um, my second child, my daughter. So she was a very um, emotional baby <laughs> and I will say hard to soothe, but she wanted to be with me. And I just did not understand like, I'm holding you, I'm giving you your bottle, I'm giving you your passy, I'm giving you what you need. Like, why are you still crying? <laughs> and this takes me to the second point. Um, when the parent is unable to soothe the child, this can lead to a negative cycle of interaction. So I began to feel anxious around her whenever she got upset or was crying because it's like she's upset and crying, but everything that I'm doing is not soothing her, it's not helping her. And she definitely was not a self-soothed baby either. So I could like lay her down in her crib and, you know, try to walk away. Oh, child, it got worse. <laughs> it's like she kicked it up a notch. Um, 
And I will say with this attachment style, you have to keep in mind, she was my second child, you know, as an, well, she was my second child, but this is when I was an adult because I was 25 when I had her. So my first child was a teen, uh, I was a teenager and I wasn't really doing any type of attachment, anything. I was still kind of in my own ways, coming and going as I please. He was with my mom. So I'll get into that one later. So with her, it was like, I'm trying to connect. I'm trying to do these things, but for whatever reason, it just wasn't connecting with her. And I found myself frustrated and having, you know, a negative viewpoint on that. Um, another sign of anxious attachment style is, you know, your child wants to be close to you, but they don't fully trust, um, trust you for support. The cycle of clinginess and distrust in other relationships will develop, you know, later in their life as a result of this. So this is where I saw the similarities from that last line um, as far as clinginess and distrust, because I feel like I operated this way um, in my romantic relationship. So with her father, especially as a teenager, where I would be clingy and want to talk to him and want him to be around. But then when he was around, I had like this attitude or this standoffish or this like, uh, what is it? Suspicious, like feelings or mindset. Like, I don't really fully trust him, but I do want you around so I can watch you. Like, all of this made sense when I started studying what this attachment style was. So I will say that this this is my attachment style, and I'll share a link um, to the quiz. Facebook is already pinned on the comments, um, but there's a quiz that helped me to see um, from a few questions that my attachment style was anxious. And I noticed that in my daughter, when I think about my mom, <laughs> I see the the patterns and similarities as well. So that is signs of an anxious attachment style in your children or in your child. All right. Signs for a disorganized attachment style um, is inconsistent connection with the caregiver and they hold fear towards the caregiver. So the child, um, you know, has to rely on the caregiver because it's their parent. They're you know, have to rely on them for survival, to have somewhere to live, those basic needs, to have somewhere to live, to have food to eat, um, to have clothes and things, right? So they have to rely on their caregiver for survival, but the caregiver is also a source of fear. Um, the caregiver is sometimes there for support and other times not. Other times they're unavailable or emotionally damaging. The child is confused or unsure when they can count on their parent or caregiver. Um, this happens in homes with abuse is really um, kind of the background of this. And this results in mental health issues and adulthood like mental, excuse me. This results in mental health issues in adulthood like substance abuse or borderline personality disorder. So with the disorganized attachment style, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's like the kid just doesn't know what to expect from the parent. Some days the parent is all in, ready to help, happy-go-lucky, you know, providing for them. And then other days it's like the parent is just so mean and so fearful and standoffish and, and hurting them emotionally. So the child begins to operate in this place of survival. Like, I know I need to be with them, but... At the same time, I'm scared to ask for help 
or I'm unsure if this is the right time to say something to my mom or to ask her to help for this because last time I did, she hit me with something or she yelled at me. So, um, and again, it says that this is shown in houses with abuse most of the time. So, like I said, it's kind of self-explanatory, disorganized attachment. The child is just unsure. And you have to think about a child's reasoning. There are some adults <laughs> in relationships who feel like, okay, I don't know if I should say something to him today because, you know, having that walking on eggshells feeling, that's a good way to explain it. So it's kind of like this child is always on eggshells with their parent and unsure of what emotion they're going to get today, right? And that can be fearful for a child who's depending on this person for their livelihood, right? So think about how that feels as a child to be unsure if your parent is going to help you today or hurt you today, right? That really will mess with the child's mindset and their mental view on relationships and trusting people um, as they grow older. Um, the next sign of, excuse me, the next attachment style is signs of avoidant attachment in children. Signs of avoidant attachment in children. So the child avoids their parent or caregiver and doesn't seek comfort from them. There is little to no preference for their parent over a stranger. They don't seek their parent in times of distress. And it can be possible that the stranger is more attuned to their needs than their parent is. This child cannot consistently count on their caregiver to comfort them. Um, in their future, this shows challenges with intimacy and they are closed off from social relationships. They do not have healthy connections with their parent which brings trouble finding healthy connections in other relationships, like their friendships or um, romantic relationships. So this avoidant attachment, this makes me think about the people who brag about, you know, they don't trust nobody. They don't need nobody. They can do life on their own. I don't, it's just like, okay, there's clearly some type of trauma there. Because I'm not saying that we should be out here just trusting everybody, telling everybody our deepest, darkest secrets and opening up to everybody. But you should have at least one person, at least one person that you can be open with and that you can be vulnerable with and that you can trust. So this attachment style, the avoidant attachment style, it makes me think about those children who have tried to put their selves out there who have tried to receive affection from their parents, who have tried to connect or be emotional and have just got shut down time after time, just shut down, shut down to the point where they don't even depend on their parent for comfort. And that kind of breaks my heart too. I think about like a kid falling or getting hurt on the playground and they don't even run to their parent for help. They'll go to a stranger or something for help and respond better to them. And it's like their mom comes over to try to get them. And they're like, no, to their mom, you know, that's kind of the visual that I have in my mind. I see that child. And then I see that child as an adult, as that person that's just, on. I don't trust nobody. I don't need no friends. It's just me, me, me. So <laughs> if that's you, I would highly suggest that you, you know, dig deeper into that avoidant attachment style to learn like what is the root of that and where are some healing and coping strategies that you can do. 
And also with these, um, kind of like I shared before, think about your own children. Um, for the disorganized attachment style, I can say that most likely was Jameer whenever, well, excuse <laughs> my oldest son, whenever um, I was a teenager, I'm pretty sure he didn't know what to get from me at that time because I was highly um, deep into the anxious attachment style with his dad. So my mental state was not healthy. Like if we were on bad terms, oh, it was just a bad day for everybody. Bump everything, bump everybody. My whole day was ruined and you were going to know about it. If you were in my vicinity, you were going to know about it. Um, so I'm pretty sure that there were times where he was like, I don't know if I should come to my mom. I don't know if I can say something to her right now because last time I tried, you know, she was upset. And again, this is me just, you know, being transparent. But um, what you'll see at the end of this and I'll share is like, we all have the opportunity to create a secure attachment style, which is what I'm going to get to next. So let me not get ahead of myself. But yes, I do want you to think about each attachment style that I've shared so far and see if you can see some of these behaviors in your children or if you experienced um, any of these yourself. All right, let me check the comments here on Facebook. I thought I saw something. Okay, never mind. All right, so the last attachment style, which this is the attachment style that we want... <laughs> we want to have and we want our children to have is the secure attachment style. So signs of a secure attachment style in your children is they prefer you over strangers. Um, they're comfortable exploring their environment when you are present or around. They feel protected and they have some, and they know that they have someone that they can rely on for their needs. They can replicate a healthy bond with others in all types of relationships, so friendships and romantic relationships. This is the overall goal that we want for our children. When they have a secure attachment style, they are able to appreciate their own self-worth and ability to be themselves in relationships. This part is huge right here. They can trust easily. So again, like I said before, not putting all your business out there and opening up to every single body, but they are able to trust people <laughs> or have someone that they can trust and they're attuned to their emotions. Excuse me. They're able to communicate their upsets directly. Um, you will see less of that passive aggressiveness or just angry outbursts when it comes to communicating their emotions. So this is definitely the attachment style that I am trying to move towards in my own personal life as I reparent myself and my parents, um, excuse me, and my children today and my relationship with them, because this is what I want for them. I want them to be healthy adults and I want them to notice those unhealthy signs in other people that they might connect to. So I don't want my son marrying somebody who is taking advantage of him um, being passive aggressive, avoidant, or being disorganized and having him, I'm sure if they together or not, like, that's not what I want. And for my daughter as well, I don't want her to connect with the man and that's what's going on. And I don't want them to be that person to somebody being toxic. So again, my overall goal with the mom kids and mental peace, if you've ever heard me share is like for us to raise healthy children, 
so that they can be healthy adults because we only have them for a set amount of time. 18 years is the max <laughs> that you know we're responsible for raising them and guiding them on their way. And then they're adults and essentially making their own decisions. But the decisions that they're making with the people they interact with starts in the house. <laughs> it starts with what they saw at home. It starts with how we taught them how what strategies that we taught them at home. So I'm all for secure attachment style. I love um, what this represents and the foundation of it. So I'm going to share, what is it? One, two, three, five ways that you can create um, a secure attachment style with your child and then we'll wrap up. So the first thing that you can do is start <laughs> as early as possible um, with trying to be aware of starting that secure attachment style. So early childhood is the pivotal time to create a secure bond with your child. Now, if your child is a little older, it is not too late. Um, I do believe that God can work miracles wherever we are. If we have an open heart and are willing to do the work behind it, I feel like he'll meet us where we are in our relationships. But for any new mamas or if you're pregnant or if you have like a newborn and no older children, start now. <laughs> Start now with trying to implement these secure attachment styles because it'll be a lot easier for you as they grow older. The second thing you can do is be aware of your nonverbal communication. Babies and children can pick up on your emotions in response to their needs. Y'all, this was a word for me because I realized that... Um, Anytime my children need something like, for example, my daughter had the flu. Bye. Thank you. Um, for example, like one time my daughter had the flu and, you know, she was kind of vomiting all over the place and really sick and coughing. And I just felt myself irritated in my response to her being sick. Like, oh, this is something extra I have to do. Or, oh, I can't believe she's sick. Or I'm irritated that she's sick. So, in those moments, it was my message was when you need help or when you're feeling when you're not feeling well, this irritates mommy or it's an inconvenience to mommy. So I had to really this convicted me because I really had to be intentional about those nonverbal communications, because, again, babies and children can pick up on those emotions in response to their needs. That's very specific in response to their needs. Um, the third thing that you can do is create a bond through physical and emotional cues. So some positive nonverbal communication is having an open body posture. So don't sit, you know, with your arms crossed or your body turned away from them. Um, if they try to come and give you a hug or something, have your body open to them showing that, hey, this is, I am a safe place. You can come to me. You can touch me. You can be on me. <laughs> Like the, I'm a safe place for you to be. And this is something that, like I said, I had to learn because that physical touch, hey, Tasha, um, that physical touch was not something that I saw in my family. So again, this is something I have to be intentional about. I can even remember one time um, my niece is trying to give my mom a hug and she was like, y'all going somewhere, you know, like in the joking mode, like y'all, y'all going somewhere, quit touching me, quit touching me. And I'm just thinking about that attachment style, like, mm -mm, you know, clearly this was something she dealt with or experienced in her childhood. And, you know, here she is in a, as an adult, her grandchildren are trying to embrace her and give her physical 
affection and she's just like uncomfortable with it. How I shared with y'all earlier about my dad, if I try to hug him, he's kind of like, all right, all right now, all right now, I'm going somewhere. You know, like, so <laughs> this is something I have to be um, intentional about. I know my little baby, I I feel like I've created that secure um, environment for him as well as my daughter where they'll they'll hop on me anytime. All in my little mommy pouch, stomach, I'll pull in my hair, <laughs> uh, on my head, whatever it is. As far as my oldest son, we are growing into a more physical touch relationship where we are giving hugs or, you know, patting each other on the back or giving each other a dap or a handshake or just some sort of physical touch. We are growing growing more into that. Um, and again, I can sometimes find myself feeling awkward, but I'm pulling past, pushing past that awkwardness because I know this is something that he needs. It's something that I need and it's something that I desire and I want for my family, even though it may be unfamiliar to me. Um, another positive nonverbal communication you can do is holding eye contact. So looking at your kids when they're talking, um, showing that you're listening to them. I know we're in this cell phone era where we kind of listen and look at our phone at the same time. So this is, you know, stopping whatever you're doing on your phone, looking them in the eye, even down to infancy with that newborn baby. Um, <laughs> I know a lot of times um, I would feed my baby and be on my phone you know, not really looking at him. And then I would feel convicted, like, put that phone down, girl, you know, and look at your baby and talk to him or sing to him while you're feeding him. You know, you don't have to look at your phone in this moment. So try to be intentional about making eye contact and holding eye contact because this shows that, you know, I see you, I hear you, I'm listening to you, and I'm I'm there for you. I'm present with you. Um, have calm facial expressions is another way you can have positive nonverbal communication. <laughs> so I have to laugh at this because this is for all my people that struggle with that, what is it, RBF, resting mm, face. <laughs> we have to be intentional about calm facial expressions. And my husband points this out to me too. Like if he says something, he's like, you automatically just get it throwing your head and face around like chill calm down some so i'm i'm taking heed to that advice i i hear him cuz i know there's certain things about me i can't see so having a calm facial expression is a way that you can show positive <laughs> nonverbal communication um and again that gentle touch you know when holding or comforting your child and speaking with a calm voice or a calm tone this is also something that I'm working on, not being so irritable in my response or being so, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but just like, what is it? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, but just trying to be more calm with my response and not be so quick and hasty with it. So overall, you know, just understand the challenges of developing a secure bond, because if it was easy, then everybody would have a secure attachment style, right? Clearly we don't. I'm sure from the four that I've shared, you can find yourself somewhere in one of these areas or all of these areas, or you can think of somebody that you know that maybe displays um, those behaviors, um, but know your attachment style. And again, on Facebook, the link is in the comments. Instagram, I'll try to put, I know Instagram doesn't really let you do links on the comments, but I'll try to figure out a way to get it to y'all. 
Um, but yes, so know your attachment style. And if I can't get the link, just Google attachment style quiz and one will come up and you can take it. It takes about five minutes. So know your attachment style and implement, you know, what worked for you as far as your attachment style with your family. Um, and if nothing worked for you, then implement what you wish you would have had. This was big for me. So if you feel like, I don't know what to do. All right, well, think about some moments that you had with your family or that you were going through. And you can look back and think, I wish I had somebody to tell me this. Or I wish somebody who would have just done this for me. Start there and start to implement that with your children because that's probably something they can benefit from too. Um, and lastly, be self-aware. You know, Stay in tune with your emotions and have a good support system. So that's something that I've been working on, slowing down and being self-aware of my emotions, being self-aware of my words and my reactions to certain things in my household. Um, there are times where I will react, but I'll stop and be like, all right, let me try that again. Like, for example, my oldest was cleaning the bathroom and y'all, he was in there, it seemed like for 3.5 seconds and he came out putting the stuff up. So my immediate reaction was, oh, I know that bathroom ain't clean. I said that out loud. But then I was like, oh, my bad. Let me stop. Let me try that again. All right, let's go in here and take a look at the bathroom together and make sure that everything, you know, is straight how it's supposed to be. So this is to say, you know, it ain't going to be uh, perfect responses and secure attachment right off the bat every time, especially if it's something you're not used to. But that doesn't mean that you can't be self-aware of when you're not showing that. Stop, pause, apologize, back up, and try it again another positive way. That's something I've been doing um, in my home. So that is all that I have for you all tonight. I thank you all um, who have tuned in with me. Um, again, if you have not, please follow me on Facebook and on Instagram. Join our community. Um, the link is in the bio on my link tree. You'll just click join community. And please subscribe to the Mom Keys to Mental Peace podcast to stay up to date on all of our episodes that we release each Tuesday. All right. I pray that this information was helpful. I pray that you can use it to build healthier connections in your family and to heal anything that you may have gone through in your life that you weren't aware of. I pray that this information helps bring light to that. Bye, you guys. Have a great night.